Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. I'm jealous a pup can preach better than me. Piece of cloth twisting around. Thanks, Doug. How many of you ever doubted? Well, let's be honest. How many of you ever doubted God? Okay. Have you ever doubted maybe does God really love me and forgive me? I doubt it. Why me, God? Or did Jesus doubt? Did the resurrection really take place? I doubt it. Maybe as Adventists, is Jesus really coming back? I doubt it. These are some reflections that we may have at some point, maybe not said out loud, but maybe have pondered in our hearts. Questions of faith. <clears throat> and so I want to, as a pastor, I want to invite you all. We've been talking about small groups. Starting March 19, we are starting on a new journey talking about doubt. The idea of I doubt it is anathema to me. It's bad. We have confidence and faith in God. And even when sometimes God doesn't necessarily uh, work as fast as we would like, <laughs> we can have faith and trust in God. So I want to encourage you, if you can, please, please, please sign up, number one, because we need to know how many books we need to print. But truly, we want to encourage and invite you all in this journey. Yes, we're going to be preaching, but it's also just as important to be able to talk amongst and have fellowship with one another. So I know Tuesday night, Bill's going to be leading a group. I have Thursday and Friday. And then on Saturday, um, here at the church, our, uh, Mario and Edwin will be leading out. I'll be here Thursday and Friday. Um, and some of these, if not all of them, uh, we'll have also an online component too. So if you can't, if you got to work and you can't make it to the church, we'll make it happen to where you can join us on Zoom or go to meeting. Does that sound good? If you have any questions about this as well, please don't be hesitant to come reach out to me or to Bill. All right. And with that, I'd like to invite our friend, Pastor Bob Wong, to please come on up. He's going to share the message. Um, those of you who know he's been around, he's taught, I'm sorry, he actually has taught and he's pastored and more importantly, he's also served as our youth director for many years here in Southern California Conference. He's also my father-in-law, so I'm very appreciative that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. A young pastor just out of seminary went to a church, and he preached his first sermon. And all the church said, amen, whoa, we've got a perfect pastor now, beautiful sermon, very spiritual, very enlightening, very articulate. And they said, man, we've got a winner. And the church started to fill up. The second week, the pastor came the same time and he preached. And he preached the exact same sermon. Same text, same illustration, same thoughts. And the people thought, well, he's young, just out of the seminary. Perhaps he didn't have enough time to preach or to study or to, 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 to prepare a sermon. We'll let him go this week. The third, the third Sabbath, he came to church again. And he preached the same sermon. And the people says, hey, what's going on? 
We're paying him and he's preaching the same sermon. Maybe he's lazy. I don't know. So the head elder, you know, Bill, the head elder came and he said, Pastor, what's the problem? Three Sabbaths in a row and you're preaching the same sermon. And you know what he said? He looked at the head elder and he said, when the church listens and does what I preach, then I'll preach another sermon. I was here several months ago. How many remember the one word I said you've got to remember? Uh-uh. One word. I said, when I come back again, I want you to tell me one word. What was it? Oh, my. I guess I got to preach the same sermon. Working in a conference office, I had to preach at different churches every Sabbath. And for many years, I preached. And I keep a log in my home. And I put the church, the date, and a sermon so I don't preach the same thing over and over again. I preached recently at a church that I haven't been for seven years. Can you imagine that? For seven years, I haven't been there. And I went up and I said the same thing, same illustration. And I said, if somebody here can tell me what I preached seven years ago, and I give the date. If you can tell me exactly what I preached seven years ago, I will take you to the most expensive, the most elegant restaurant for lunch that I know of. Because I knew, you know, seven years is quite a long time. And one of the men I remember distinctly, not too long ago, it was only a couple months ago, he was sitting on the third row back on the left-hand side, and he spoke out. And guess what? The exact sermon I preached. So the following week, I had to take him to the most expensive, the most elegant restaurant I, I know, Taco Bell. <laughs> Took him there, and we had a good time. I Last time when I was here, I talked to you, and I said, See, all I want, to, want you to remember is the word a thousand. Remember? Yeah? I'm not taking you out to lunch. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. But I said, remember the word a thousand, because my God has a thousand ways to provide for you of which we don't know of any. Correct? Now, you folks are all intelligent. I walked in this church and I, I felt the, the, the shocking feeling that you guys are all intelligent, all smart, all educated, all the good memories. Today, I'm going to talk to you and I want you to remember three words, not one. Now, you guys failed the first test and I taught school for seven years. You folks failed the first test. The second test is three words. All right? And when I come back, I don't know when Chris is going to invite me back, maybe a year from now, I don't know. But when I come back, I want the three words. And I'm going to tell you the three words. All right? I'm not going to tell you now, but you got to pick it up. And I'll let you know when, when the three words. In my ministry, my whole ministry, I work with children and youth. What a glorious time. My sister said, hey, you enjoy working so much with the youth and, young, and the young people is because you never grew up. And I think it's true. I never grew up. I love young people. In my ministry, I love to visit schools. I love to visit churches. I love to speak at meetings where there are youth, small children. One of the things that stuck in my mind that I really enjoyed, and I spoke all the way from schools, from kindergarten, all the way to colleges. And you know what? My best memory and the most exciting thing I ever did in my ministry, I was invited to speak to a graduating class of a kindergarten. And it was right here in Glendale, and it was beautiful. And I still remember 
The kids came down walking in the middle aisle in their small cap and gowns, and I gave a sermon. It was the best time. But one of the things I like about working with young people is that they respond more than adults. Did you know that? When I give week of prayers, whenever I speak to kids in class, they always write me notes. And man, I tell you, I get packs and packs and packs of letters and notes. Thank you, Pastor Bob, for this. Thank you for this. Thank you. And you know what? The important ones, I jot down the, 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 the letters that they've sent me. And I, put, and, I, and I put together some some of the letters, and I want to share some with you this morning. Is that okay? I want to share it. I had people, young people, now all the way from kindergarten till about high school, they're writing me letters. They say, dear pastor, I'm a very religious person. I never do anything wrong on Sabbath. Another wrote, dear pastor, I know God loves everybody, but he never met my sister. You know that? And this is true. I got letters like this. Dear pastor, do I have to say grace after every meal, even if it's only peanut butter and jam sandwich? Dear Pastor, I think, and this is a good one. Dear Pastor, I think more people would come to church if you moved it to Disneyland. Kids say the funniest things. Dear Pastor, I think more people would come to church if you sold popcorn in the back like they do at the movies. Can you imagine that? Another one. Dear Pastor, my grandma is very religious. She goes to bingo every Tuesday night. Another one. Dear Pastor, I would like to go to heaven because I know my brother will not be there. And the last one I want to share with you. Dear Pastor, I wish my dad was a preacher so he would work only on Saturdays. Yeah, wonderful. A Bible class was given an assignment. And the assignment was, list or give me your favorite Bible translation. We have the Bible and we have many, many translations today. And the teacher's... The teacher gave that assignment, and the four Bible translations stuck out. You know, the first one was the King James Version. And most of the kids said, I like the King James Version because it's closest to the original. Another person wrote, I like the Revised Standard King James Version because it's in a modern language. Can you imagine that? And the third was, I like the Living Bible because it is easy to understand. And the fourth one that shocked the teacher was, I like my dad's translation of the Bible. Because I see the Bible in his life. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Maybe we should be living the Bible instead of preaching it. Have you ever thought of that? Maybe we should be living the Bible instead of teaching it. Someone wrote, tell a kid something and he will forget. Show a kid and he will remember. Lead a kid, and he will follow. You ever thought of that? My God gave us an awesome responsibility of leading and raising children today. I was talking with my wife just last night, and I said, you know, God could have said, okay, you give birth to your kids, you have the kids in a family for so many years, maybe three years, and after that, I want them to come to the school. I want them to come to the school of prophets, and I will train them. But God didn't say that. God says, I want you as parents to train young people. Did you know that? We have the awesome responsibility and the sacred responsibility of raising these boys and girls to walk in the light of Jesus. As we raise these young people, 
we've got to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do in situations? What would Jesus do in situations? My God is a wonderful God. And as you read the Gospels, there are three things my God has never done to children or to adults. And I want to bring these three things to you, okay? The three things Jesus never did was, number one, he never did criticize. Jesus never criticized. Number two, Jesus never condemned. And three, Jesus never complained. The three sisters, the three C sisters. Jesus never criticized, Jesus never condemned, and Jesus never complained. You got that? Yeah, he did the three things. Jesus never what? Jesus never what? And Jesus never what? That's right. He never did that. And you know, when he had an apostle or he had a disciple by the name of Judas, he knew exactly who Judas was. He knew exactly what Judas would do, but he never criticized. He never condemned or he never complained about Judas. Did you know that? He treated Judas as well as the other disciples. And we've got to treat our young people the same way today. We should not criticize, condemn, or complain. The reason why we do these three things is because it is so easy to look at kids and see mistakes because we reflect back and we say, hey, when I was that age, I never did that. Have you ever heard that before? When I was your age, I never did that. When I was young, I never did that. And, you know, we shouldn't tell our kids that because they live in a different age. They live in a different era. Now, I'm not that old, but when I was going to school, you know what the biggest three problems were? I'll tell you the three biggest three problems. Number one. Talking in class was a big problem. Number two, chewing gum in class. And number three, getting out of line when we had to line up for lunch. You folks are identifying with me or you folks are too young? These are the three things. And today, you know what are the three greatest things that are hindering young people? The first thing are drugs. Second thing, teen pregnancy. And third, suicide. These three things. So can you see the difference? And so we cannot compare. We cannot judge. We cannot criticize. And we cannot complain about the young people when they come to us with their different ideas. A lady came to me in my office one day. And she said, Pastor, I got a problem. I had a problem and I want to, I want to share with you. I said, oh, okay. What is it? She says, my son came home last week and said, Mom, I want to do something. I want to do something out of the ordinary. And I want your blessing. And you know what he said? I want to dye my hair purple. And she says, what? You know, if I ever came home and I told my dad, Dad, I'm going to dye my hair purple. You know what my dad would say? Over oh, my dead body. Or my dad would say, there's a door. If you dye your hair purple. But you know what she said? She said, I would have said the same thing. But we live in a different age. And she said, I knew I had to do something different. And I just shot up her up into heaven. And remember, God has how many ways to provide for us? Hey, thank you. God has a thousand ways to provide for us, of which we don't know of any. So she said, I says, Lord. And she said, I shot up her up into heaven. Lord, help me to do the right thing. What do I say? And she said, something came to me out of the ordinary. I did not expect myself to see this, but I did. And she said, it was only because of the Holy Spirit that led me. 
And you know what she said? She said, I told son, if you want to dye your hair purple, I want to make sure that you do it right. Can you imagine that? She said that. She went and she got into her purse. She got out $40 and she said, son, here's $40 and I want you to do it right and make sure you do it correctly. And she gave him $40 and he left. He came back several hours later and she was shocked. She said, I almost had a heart attack. Can you imagine my son? And, she, and he was Anglo. He had blonde hair. He was fair. And all of a sudden he walked to the door with purple hair. And she said, the only thing I could think of was I needed, I needed support. So she called her husband and she said, honey, when you come home tonight, you are going to be shocked. But I don't want you to say a word. I just want you to smile. The husband came home that evening and guess what? He was shocked. He didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. All through dinner, didn't say a word. And finally, he looked at her and, she said, and he just shook his head. What happened? What really happened? They went to bed. 12 o'clock, between 12 and 1, she said, My son came. My son came, knocking at the door. Mom, 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 I need help. And she opened the door and he was crying. And he says, Mom, mom, my head itches. My head hurts so much. Help me, help me, help me. And she says, Well, son, it's because of the dye they probably use or the peroxide they use. You're allergic to it. Well, let me help you. She said, let's go in the shower and let me help you wash your hair with soap and we can try to get the itch out and the soreness. And he says, please do, mom, please do. So they went into the bathroom, went in by the shower. He kneeled over the shower. She started washing his head with soap and shampoo. And as she was washing, as she was massaging his head, he was saying, mom, I am so stupid. I'll never do this again. And all she could say was, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and as she was scrubbing his head, mom, mom, I am so sorry. Next time I'll get your advice. Oh, thank you, Jesus. She kept massaging. And he went on and on and on. Mom, I'll never do it again. And he went on. Just imagine, my God had a thousand ways to provide. Can you imagine if she condemned and criticized the son, what would happen? Jesus would not have done that. Did you know that? While I was working at San Gabriel Academy as a teacher, as I was a, as a campus chaplain and a counselor, the principal gave me a responsibility which I did not like. And you know what that was? He made me the chairman of the discipline committee for the kids who did wrong. And, you know, we sat down hours and hours and hours thinking about the kids who did wrong and when they, the teachers brought them or when they, when they were referred to the discipline committee, we had to get punishment. We have to think of the punishment for the crime. Have you ever heard of that? You've got to get the crime, or the, excuse me, you've got to get the punishment to fit the crime. Isn't that correct? And so we, we spent hours and hours and hours laboring over it. But you know what? My God is different. My God should have taught me something else. My God doesn't look at the punishment. But you know what he does? He watches for the solution. He says, you did wrong. Forget that you did wrong. I'm not worried about it. How can we help you? How can we make you whole again? That's what my Jesus says. My Jesus never thinks about the punishment for you and I when we make mistakes. But my God says, hey, let me help you with a solution. Let me help you with your problem so that we can help you be whole again. And that's my God. My God is a magnet. 
My God wants us to be a magnet. My God wants this church to be a magnet. That when something goes wrong, people will come and say, hey, I did wrong. And instead of condemning them, instead of looking for a punishment, we will say, hey, let's sit down and let's pray and let's get a solution. Isn't that what God wants us to do? God wants us to look for the solution and not the punishment. We've got to remember that. We should not criticize, condemn, or what? Complain. Three things. We cannot do that because this will destroy the church. When we do these three things, one of the three, it'll bring Jesus away from the church. Did you know that? I can give you texts. I can give you statements from the, from, from, from the red books that tells us we should never do that. But because of time, I cannot do that because, you know, I don't have the time unless you want to stay at 2 o'clock. But God says, hey, let us look for the solution and not a problem. Let us all be magnets for those who do wrong and let them feel comfortable like when they come to Jesus. I can go to Jesus with any problem. I don't care what the problem is, whether it's small or whether it's big. And my God will never say, I am going to do this because you did that. He never says that. But my God says, you come to me and I will help you with a solution to make you whole again. The very first church I was assigned to, we had a beautiful girl. Her name was Penny. Her parents were not Seventh-day Adventists, but she was. She was a good Seventh-day Adventist, a beautiful girl. And everybody thought that she was going to be just a positive thing in a church. When she was 15 years old, she became a Seventh-day Adventist. Not long after, she got pregnant. And her parents rejected her and said, Penny, you did the most atrocious thing. You're going to bring shame to my family. You're going to bring shame to our home. Get out of the house and we would never want to see you again. Did you know that? The parents said that. The parents actually had the punishment for her mistake instead of helping her with the solution. But she came to the church because the church was a magnet. And this church, I'll tell you the church, it's Villa Park in Illinois, right under Donna's Grove. And it was a beautiful church. They had no condemnation. And they were a magnet for those who did wrong. I, I, when, I, when I was in that church for two years, I never heard anything negative in that church. Did you know that? Can you imagine that? I never heard anybody condemning anything. I never heard anybody complaining. Because they loved the Lord. And they knew that we have to be a magnet for the wrongdoing. So Penny didn't have any place to go. So you know what she did? She went to the church. And she said, I made a mistake. And she told the church the problem. And out of this whole situation, I have never heard anybody criticize her. I've never heard anybody condemn her. Or I never heard anybody complain to her that, oh, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. Nothing was said. But all they showed was love. And they had a solution. One of the doctors in the church says, hey, I've got two children in their elementary school. Why don't you come and live with us? And he more or less adopted her at 15 years of age. And the wife homeschooled her. And after she gave birth, she went to our academy that the doctor paid for. And during this whole time, the whole church supported her. And you know what? She was not ashamed to come to church. She was not embarrassed to come to church. Well, she not, did not feel guilty coming to church. But she felt the warmth of Jesus Christ in the church. And this is what we have to do in the church today. My people, we have to let People see Jesus in us, especially the youth. We've got to show Jesus in us.
three men were running through the airport. As they were running through the airport, they were kind of late because the plane was, was, was late, not on time. And the three men were running through the airport and they had to catch the next flight. So they all wanted to go home on time. As they were running, one of the men ran over a little girl who was selling apples on the, in the terminal. And as he was running, he split the whole table in half. Apples flew all over the way and they kept running. One of the gentlemen, one of the three stopped and he looked back and he saw the apples and he saw this girl crying. And he told the other two men, go on, go on. I will help this girl. Just call my wife and let my wife know that I am, I will be late. He stopped, he turned around, and he helped this girl pick up all the apples. As he picked up all the apples from the ground, he noticed that this girl was blind. And she was watching and she was waiting for some help because she couldn't see. He picked up all the apples. He put two piles, the good apples and the bad apples. He set the table up again, and he told a little girl who was blind. He said, this pile is all bruised and damaged. I will pay for it. This apple on this side is still good, and you can sell it. And he set it up for her, and he made sure she was okay. And then when she was okay, and when she stopped crying, he said, okay, sweetheart, I'm going to go now. And as he was leaving, the girl stopped, and she says, wait, wait. And the man stopped and he looked back. And you know what the girl asked him? Mister, mister, are you Jesus? The young people today, the way we treat them, will look at us. And all of them would say, hey, are you Jesus? My prayer is that we will be Jesus in this church. That we will represent Jesus in our family. My people, let's be ambassadors for Jesus. Are you Jesus?